0: This is Bernadette Jiwa, author of Story Driven, You Don't Need to Compete When You Know Who You Are, and you are listening to The Marketing Book Podcast.
1: Welcome to The Marketing Book Podcast, helping you keep up with the smartest thinking in the quickly changing field of modern marketing. And now, here's your host, Douglas Burdett. Hello, thanks for joining me on the Marketing Book Podcast, which was named by LinkedIn as one of ten podcasts that will make you a better marketer. My goal for this podcast is to help you discover the smartest ideas behind what's actually working in the quickly changing field of modern marketing and sales. Don't worry about taking notes. You can find links to everything linkable in this episode's show notes at marketingbookpodcast.com. And since you're a listener to the Marketing Book Podcast, if I can recommend a specific marketing or sales book or some of the helpful resource that i know of for whatever situation you find yourself in just connect with me on linkedin where we can chat and i'll try to point you in the right direction this episode of the marketing book podcast is sponsored by content marketing world 2018 in cleveland this september i'm going to be there how about you Content Marketing World is a wonderful event where you can learn and network with the best and brightest in the content marketing industry, including several authors who have been guests on the Marketing Book Podcast. I'm going to be leading the workshop Industrial Manufacturing, Applying Content Marketing Best Practices to the Challenging Audience of Engineers with my friend and past Marketing Book Podcast guest, Rebecca Geyer, author of Smart Marketing for Engineers, an inbound marketing guide to reaching technical audiences. For details, go to contentmarketingworld.com, and for the absolute lowest price when you register, make sure to use the promo code MARKETINGBOOK, and they'll knock $100 off your ticket price. $100. Think about it. That's $100 you can spend buying both of his drinks once you get there, and still have money left over. I'll have more details in a few minutes, and now, on with the show. Today, we welcome Bernadette Jiwa... Back to the Marketing Book Podcast to talk about her new book, Story Driven. You don't need to compete when you know who you are, published by Perceptive Press. Bernadette Jiwa is a business advisor, keynote speaker, and best selling author of seven number one Amazon bestsellers. She's been named by Smart Company as a Top Business Thinker 2018 and recognized as an expert on the role of story in marketing and business development. She's been named as one of the top 100 branding experts to follow on Twitter and her blog, com, was voted as the best Australian business blog and chosen by Smart Company as Australia's top business blog. But perhaps even more impressive than that... Seth Godin named her blog as one of the marketing blogs he reads. She advises, consults, and speaks to Fortune 500 companies, startups, entrepreneurs, and business leaders from around the world, helping them to build meaningful brands and matter to their customers. And interesting fact, she grew up in Dublin, Ireland, and now lives on the other side of the world in Melbourne, Australia. Bernadette, congratulations on Story Driven, and welcome back To the Marketing Book Podcast.
0: Thanks, Douglas. It's always a pleasure to chat to you. I can tell you that today, Melbourne looks very much like Dublin. It's gray and very wet.
1: Oh, wow. Well, you know, maybe the weather in Australia is trying to make you feel like, you know, where you grew up. But. Of course, it's like a seven o'clock on the U.S. East Coast and it's 9 a.m. where you are. So, of course, I naturally want to ask, it's 9 a.m. Friday where you are. It's Thursday Mm. evening where I am. So naturally, I want to ask you, you know, what does the future hold, Bernadette?
0: I know it's (laughs) so, it's so, I never get tired of living in the future. It's fabulous. Yeah. (laughs) That's right.
1: That's right. So it's the seventh book. Bernadette, why did you write this one?
0: I think I've said to you before that every time I write a book, I realize I need to go back and write the book that was required before that one. (laughs) With this one, I, I honestly just got tired of seeing entrepreneurs and business owners and business leaders, you know, the kind of people I serve and write for who want to do work they're proud of, being fearfully reactive to the marketplace instead of bravely responsive to their customers and the people they want to serve. So that's why I wrote this one.
1: Mm. And there are so many case studies in this one that show companies that are succeeding I, I like to sometimes pretend that the, the CEO or the, the, the chief financial officer is listening in on this podcast. Some of them are, I know for a fact. And I always envision somebody with their arms crossed saying, hmm, well, I don't know, why, why is this important? And I just wanted to pull out a couple things. One of them is that you talk about how companies with more engaged employees experience higher levels of customer satisfaction and are more profitable. What are some of the other hard facts that you offer up for for these companies that want to do what you just described, but think, oh, no, I've got those shareholders. I've got to be bottom line oriented here at the exclusion of everything else. If you look at
0: every successful company and look at what the common denominator is between those companies, the kind of companies that many of your listeners perhaps want to emulate from the big ones to the tiny ones from brands like amazon to warby parker to patagonia to the brands that people love you'll find that they are not driven uh, by competing they are driven by their story they have a, they know who they are they know who they're there to serve they have a purpose They have a vision for the future and they set about creating a strategy for achieving that vision. So the evidence is really clear. It isn't the companies that are going after just the single bottom line that are succeeding.
1: Mm. Let's bring this into sharp worldwide relief. <laughs> I want to mm-hmm. read a quote here and ask you to bring it to life and rip it right from the newspaper. You say at the beginning of the book, we have become reactive to the competitive landscape rather than responsive to the needs of our communities. Those people we hope to serve, we are so focused on the competition or even the threat of it that we've forgotten to double down on what makes us and our work unique and valuable. Please compare and contrast that statement as it relates to Volkswagen and Tesla.
0: So this was the case study I opened the the book with because or, or the two stories side by side because when we see what happened with the Volkswagen emission scandal, when I saw that erupting, I, I just thought, how could this happen? this is a trusted brand they have so much going for them in resources in talent in people in good people who want to do good work that they're proud of how could this misstep happen
1: and and the misstep sorry to interrupt the misstep was they were yeah. falsifying information uh, on a yeah. you know, on a broad scale about their emissions
0: yeah they actually fitted defeat devices to their diesel cars so that they would get more favorable readings So it was a very intentional deception of not just the EPA, but also their customers. And you've got to start then wondering what's going on in that that company, in that culture, what's the story they're telling internally that leads people down that track to cheat. And then on the flip side of that, you have a fledgling automaker with you know not not the same resources, not the same history, not the same legacy that can come along and make a dent in the marketplace and make cars that people love and do the right thing and grow and prosper and continue to grow and become more valuable than on paper than some of the more established automakers that have been around for a hundred years. So in looking at both of those stories, and I started to decode that and also decode what happens in similar companies to Tesla, I uncovered this idea that there are two kinds of companies. They're either competition-driven or they're story-driven. Volkswagen being a competition-driven company because they, they have this, you know, they're cultural thread is to be number one in the marketplace, to compete, to win, to provide shareholder value. And everything they do in their strategy is works towards the, that goal. Whereas if you look at what Tesla is doing, they've got a very keen sense about mattering. And their purpose goes beyond the bottom line. It's not about short-term measures. It's about building a sustainable future for our planet. So what
1: happens
0: in these two cases is then the internal narrative dictates the strategy of the company.
1: Mm -hmm. And in the book you explain that we're drawn to these kinds of companies that are story-driven. So can you explain a bit more about what it means for a company to be story-driven? And I ask that in part because I think the word story – in the marketing and business world is becoming or has become a bit misunderstood.
0: Mm. How how do you think it's misunderstood? I'd love to get your take
1: on that. Well, I think it's, well, you know, a, a focus group of one, but I think that it's sort of like the way some people react to the word brands and branding. In other mm. words, there's, there's great misunderstanding. They think maybe it's logos, or they think it's 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 just not clear about what it means. And I think that story, the term is reemerging. And I think that people who don't understand it may think of it as being a bit squishy, as they say here in the U.S. Mm-hmm. In other words, yeah. uh, they they it brings to mind Little Red Riding Hood or Hansel and Gretel. Mm. Well, I
0: like to think of story as your cultural DNA. It's if you think about it, we've all got this backstory, we've all got a history and a heritage. And we bring that into everything we do. So if I can explain a little bit about what I'm talking about when I talk about a story-driven company, a story-driven company has got well, every company has this, but a story-driven company uses it in a certain way. So the story-driven framework is starts with your backstory. Then it then it goes on to look at your values, your purpose, your vision, and your strategy. What happens in a lot of companies is they their purpose is something that's a short term measure for a, a, you know a near term gain. So they're a competition-driven company. So competition-driven companies are focused on the marketplace and being reactive to that and winning and short-term goals. And story-driven companies like a Tesla, for example, are focused on their customers and mattering. They, their purpose is bigger than just profit. And they also have a keen vision for what it is, the impact they're going to create with their products and services in the longer term.
1: Mm-hmm. So you have a process in the book a framework that helps guide the readers through the process of building the story-driven mm. brand. And what I think is important for people to understand is that a lot, a lot of it, or, or perhaps all of it, it's, it's there. It's like a DNA. Mm. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, it's there, and it's a matter of finding it. And I was wondering mm. if you might be able to walk us through a little bit more what you touched on there, that framework and, and what the different parts are and why, they're, why you picked those and why they're so important.
0: Well there's been a lot of talk about purpose and uh with Simon Sinek's great work with start with why so a lot of companies are thinking about why do we exist? And that conversation has been ongoing for some time. What I have found through working with people is, and, and companies is that it's really hard to start there, uh, to think about, just pluck that idea, What what's our purpose? Why do we exist out of thin air? And what people and companies were forgetting to do was to revisit their backstory. So, you find, When you think about it, every business, like every story, is a catalyst for change. There isn't a business on this planet that was not started with the intention of creating some kind of positive change in the world. And we forget that. So when people come to me and say, "Oh, well, it's all very well for a brand like Airbnb to tell their story – because, you know, it's a sexy story. It's a sexy startup story. Why do we remember those stories so well, the Warby Parkers and the Airbnbs? And I think it's because they're current. We remember them because their founders are there in, still in position, leadership positions in the company, and they're guardians of the story. They're actually shining a light. On, and the same goes for Tesla and Elon Musk. They're shining a light on why they started, what their backstory was, and why their company exists. So that's what every company needs to do, regardless of whether it's an insurance company or a car company, a new company, an old company.
1: But, but let me ask, what would you say to some company, or what do you say to some company that says, okay, you just mentioned that every company has started, I believe, to you know, to, to help or to make a difference. What do you say to a company that says, I don't know, we're just a business. We didn't, we're not really, we don't feel that way.
0: You know, my job is not to convince people who don't believe what I believe. My job is to help the people who feel like they are going to contribute something to the people that they serve and they want to do that. Mm -hmm. So I I could try to convince everyone and I won't do that. That's not my job. So my job is to sp- speak to people like you who who get it and who want to understand how they can infuse their organization with this story driven
1: approach. But have you ever run into a company that thought that, and maybe <laughs> they 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 then realize, wait a minute, we we we, we are uh, we are one of those.
0: Well, I've worked with a company that makes a security product and. It wasn't that they didn't believe that they had a contribution to make. They did believe they had a contribution to make, but they actually forgot their backstory, which was a really cool backstory. Uh, One guy, one lock engineer in a place seeing something happen to, you know, seeing a woman being attacked in her hotel bedroom and deciding that he needed to reinvent the the hotel lock. Mm Mm-hmm. Because he didn't want that to happen to anyone else. So from that jumping-off point, we, I know we, it sounds like we're getting off track.
1: No, no, not at all. I, this was this is a great story in the book.
0: Yeah. So so th- this guy then set this company up, and and from that point when we. When we started having the conversation about them and their company and why they exist, they really got to own that cultural DNA, that cultural thread that was through their organization about what they were there to contribute. And great people in the company, but you get sometimes get to the point, it's not that you... Don't believe that you're there to contribute it's just that you're so focused on the day to day you forget what's underlying the the reason you make your products and the way that you do the reason you make the choices you make so we're we're talking a lot about backstory here but mm-hmm. backstory is super important because when you know where you how you got from there to here, you can take your company from here to there. And I think a lot of businesses forget that piece.
1: Exactly. And I think, to borrow uh, the title of one of your other books, I have a hunch (laughs) that Mm -hmm. there are a lot more companies with a strong backstory than they realize.
0: Absolutely. Um, And, you know, the companies that we really admire you know, they have a narrative about contribution. It's not just about conscious capitalism. It's about, you know, the founder of jabani wanting to make a good product with good ingredients and give his workers good conditions. It's about the, the founders of Warby Parker wanting to disrupt the oligopoly in the eyewear market and bring glasses to people at an affordable price. Nike, every every company that you care to think of that is admired has got a really strong backstory. They're very story driven. They know who they are and they declare that.
1: We're going to take a break here so I can talk about one of my favorite things, single malt scotch. As I mentioned at the top of the show, this episode of the Marketing Book Podcast is sponsored by Content Marketing World 2018. I'm going back this September to Cleveland for this awesome conference, and I'm looking forward to meeting more of you just like I did last year. That was so much fun. I'm going to be doing a workshop with my friend and past Marketing Book Podcast guest, Rebecca Geyer, author of Smart Marketing for Engineers, An Inbound Marketing Guide to Reaching Technical Audiences. The workshop is Industrial Manufacturing, Applying Content Marketing Best Practices to the Challenging Audience of Engineers. If you're a manufacturing marketer and are able to attend, I just want to warn you, when this workshop is over, we may end up having to rush you to the emergency room at the Cleveland Clinic because you are going to be at risk of overdosing on so many awesome, practical, actionable marketing insights that are going to grow your manufacturing business and boost your career. To get the absolute lowest price when you register, make sure to use the promo code MARKETINGBOOK and they'll knock another $100 off your ticket price. That's right. That's $100 you can then spend buying both of his drinks once you get there and still have money left over. But enough about that. Let's talk about scotch. If that rock bottom price to attend content marketing world isn't enough incentive Here's one more. When you register using promo code marketing book, there's also a bottle of scotch in it for me from the nice people at Content Marketing World. We're talking win-win here, people. But now let's say you can't attend Content Marketing World and you feel bad about that. Well, you can still send me a bottle of single malt scotch. Seriously. The mailing address is at marketingbookpodcast.com. Do it. But let's say you can attend Content Marketing World, and you're thinking, well, Douglas, I like your podcast, but I'm just not yet ready to send you a bottle of scotch. But I would like to show my appreciation for what you're doing here. I've got you covered, too. Here's what you do. First, pour yourself a drink. Have two. And then go to iTunes, or Apple Podcasts, as they call themselves now, and leave a one-sentence review for the Marketing Book Podcast. And then message me on LinkedIn and tell me which one is yours so I can raise a glass and toast your review and your good taste in podcasts. (laughs) And now, back to the show. So let's go to the next one. Could you talk a bit about values? Because that's a word that has uh, a lot of meanings for different folks. If you could explain a bit more about how it works in this framework.
0: So, yeah, it's interesting about values, how they get confused and, you know, what they mean to different people. Essentially, they're guiding beliefs. So, for example, in a company like Starbucks, Howard Schultz, part of his backstory was his dad was made unemployed through illness and that really impacted their family so one of his uh, the first parts of his strategy was to make sure he paid people living wage but also that he made sure that his employees had health cover and that's a values-based decision it's maybe not on the surface of it at the best business decision but it actually is in the long term but a short-term business decision that's possibly costly, but in the long run helps you to build a better business that you're proud of, helps you to attract the right people and retain the right people. And, you know, sleep well at night too, right? That's part of what we're here to do.
1: Mm -hmm. Just to, to sidetrack for a second, can you talk about why this sense of greater purpose is so important to employees? And I would think probably more important than a lot of management realizes.
0: I think that's coming into sharp relief though don't you we're just talk- we're just uncovering that with great research and I think we I think we've known that in our gut for a long time and we, we know how we feel when we we're doing work that matches to us and you know to think about how we can help other people to do work that matches to them is a responsibility for all uh, managers. But the great work that Dan Ariely has done around this, for example, I love the story. So he's a researcher and a behavioral economist. And he did this research in his lab where he got people to come in and build Bionicle's sort of Lego models for money. And then they got people to either put them on the desk or smash them up. And the people who whose creations were smashed up didn't wouldn't do keep building for even for money yeah
1: yeah i think i think i worked at a company like that once
0: <laughs> you know we need it we we don't we're emotional beings we have other needs apart from you know if you think about maslow's hierarchy of needs once our safety and security needs are met right. and we got food and shelter we, we crave meaning, we crave belonging, we crave this need to contribute.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, it makes me wonder, you know, the, the, the experience that a customer has with a company is arguably one of the most important aspects of marketing. They can tell everyone about a good or bad experience and more and more companies are starting to realize they need to engineer just a, a better experience. Mm. And you've got to have the right kind of people for that. And I keep hearing more and more about how hard it is to find the right people, and the competition is so fierce that that's <laughs> what's left. You know, it's it's mm. a, a treat your treat your employees better, treat your vendors better, treat your customers better, and that's the becoming sort of the obvious point of, of it's almost like what else is left. <laughs>
0: I was talking. It's interesting you say that. I was in a meeting yesterday with an MD of a software company here, and he said, "You know, people say to me, my competition is, you know, others, people who are making software that does the same thing. Actually, no. My competition is the companies that great employees want to go to. So, you know, my my biggest challenge is to attract people who." want to contribute and care about what they're doing and do good work Mm -hmm. and, and making a great culture and a great place for them to do their best work. So that goes back to the story and the narrative being the cultural glue of the organization informing our values, our strategy culture and giving people who work there a sense of meaning. Mm
1: -hmm. So when you talk about a business's purpose, how is that misunderstood?
0: Well, I think you. one of the things you wanted to talk about was the difference between mission and vision. I've used purpose intentionally in the book because mission and vision gets very mixed up. So
1: I see them on a lot of conference room walls.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but
1: I'm not sure anyone reads uh, them or understands them.
0: Yeah. So your purpose is why your business exists now, uh, what you're doing today, and your vision is you know what happens as a result of that
1: in the future. But the purpose is not to make money.
0: No, that's the result. Uh, this is this is also goes back to before Simon Sinek, but Simon Sinek's great <laughs> TED talk also talks about that. You know, it's the money is a, is is a result. But, for example, Tesla's purpose being to move us towards a sustainable energy future where, you know, we can imagine far into the future and life is still good. That's not the exact words. Mm-hmm. Uh, Starbucks to be the third place. Amazon cust- is partly around customer, customer obsession. So this sense of having higher purpose that you know, informs everything you do, why does this business exist, then you helps you to make decisions about what happens next. The reason that I've left strategy as the top tier of this five tier framework is because a lot of the time in business, we jump straight to the strategy, what are we going to do next to make a profit? What are we going to do next to innovate? Mm -hmm. And there's nothing underpinning that. There's no consistency. So I heard your listeners should, uh, and if you could link to it, I think it would be great. A great conversation with Jeff Bezos last week at the uh, Bush Leadership Center, where he talked about this the cultural thread and how he makes decisions and how they make decisions as an organization based on the things that they're obsessed with, which is, you know, pioneering customer obsession and i think he had four or five
1: things Mm -hmm. so we'll make sure to include a link to that in your episode show notes yeah so a couple other concepts in the book that i think would would help people um understand better the notion of the story-driven company can you explain what the the meaning what you mean by the meaning economy and 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 how that's a, a competitive advantage
0: I think we we touched on that a little bit in that if you can help people to feel that they're contributing to something that's bigger than themselves and that includes customers customers want to be loyal to brands that believe what they believe they and if you know we've we've got a couple of choices we can compete for the attention of customers and we're going to have to keep doing that in cycles and cycles Or we can help people to buy into what it is that we do and create loyal fans who have this affinity with our brand who keep coming back. And we do that by, you know, building this sense of meaning around our company. If you think about what a brand is, you know, it's a a product minus meaning is a commodity, but a product plus meaning equals a brand and you, you've seen how Starbucks have done that with coffee and Warby Parker have done that with eyeglasses and Chobani have done it with yogurt and Lululemon have done it with activewear they have managed to infuse meaning through everything they do and to help customers to buy into belonging to their brands mhm
1: and you also talk about how we differentiate by doing and i th- think that a lot of marketers think that we differentiate by saying.
0: Mm. I was really glad you asked this question because it was it's really top of mind for me a couple of weeks ago when I was in Auckland and I visited a restaurant there. And there's a lot of competition in a small city like Auckland. This, the food is fabulous. And I went to this restaurant and there were just a, the tiny touches, things like they had carbonated water that they just kept refilling. They did not charge you for. And every, you could, it was an open kitchen and every, no dish left that kitchen without the chef tasting it. You could see that that was happening. So the tiny decisions that they made, the tiny choices they made at every step of the way, actually was their brand story. It was their cultural thread, the narrative that infused everything they did. And the wait staff were so proud to work there and so energized by the fact that people loved what they did as a group. They had a really strong sense of teamwork. It was just a well-oiled machine that had a lot of heart in, in what was produced. And that actually you know, shone through in the dishes that arrived on the plate
1: and that's a great description for me of what i what you talk about towards the end of the book about the secret to being exceptional is in the small choices we make moment to moment mm.
0: yeah it's it's true you know you could if we if we keep on this food metaphor you could have the most fabulous kitchen equipment and if you buy substandard ingredients, you're not going to get the same result as if you if you invest in, in good ingredients. And that's, I think, what we forget in business, that it's not just one-dimensional. We've got to think of every aspect of the business, and every choice we make contributes to the whole.
1: Mm, and I think it's a perfect corollary to hiring the best people that you can find, mm-hmm. and then bring out the best in them. Yeah. So. Bernadette G, well, what, I, I, I have to, I'm required by law to ask this question. What is the elephant in the marketing room that you would like to call out?
0: Oh, well, the, the number one thing. <laughs> you know, uh, there are a couple of things, but, you know, we think that we need to find the the right story. And the right story seems to be the story that people are paying attention to at the moment. And in doing that, we lose sight of what the real story is, the truth about who we are. Mm -hmm. And when we try to tell the right story, we manufacture the truth or we try to manufacture a truth. And when we tell the real story, we're telling the truth and we don't need to pretend and we don't need to compete. We can be who we are and be unique by doing that thing. And yeah. and in that way, we, we actually don't have to compete.
1: So is there an example that comes to mind of a company that is more focused inappropriately on the right story instead of the real one?
0: Can we go back to Volkswagen? I don't mean to pick on them. If there's anybody listening from Volkswagen, it's, I, I feel like they've had a lot of bad press, and it's not that there are not good people working in that company. Mm-hmm. It's just that the cultural thread seems to be about competing.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So what's interesting about the narrative that's coming out of a company like Volkswagen now is that they, their leadership are saying, we're the company to beat Tesla, What's interesting about that is they're now competing for a slice of the electric car market, which was not so much on their radar before Tesla came along and made that a viable business.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And the ironic thing about it is, is that they are working towards helping Tesla achieve their purpose because <laughs> there's going to be more sustainable cars on the road, and and that's working towards Tesla's purpose. So that's a that's a case for having the wrong goal in mind.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, uh, as I, uh, you talked about the story-driven versus the companies that are focused on their competition, it brought to mind something else I'd heard elsewhere, a little bit different, but they talked about how in one argument you, you could put all companies in one of three buckets. And one is companies that are focused on themselves and their operations and their products, companies mm-hmm. that are focused on exclusively, on, uh, primarily on their competition, like you've just mm-hmm. described, and then companies that are more focused on their customers. Amazon's an example like that. I've had mm-hmm. authors on this podcast talk about how, in fact, it was uh, Jeffrey Eisenberg, one of the co-authors of Be Like Amazon, even a lemonade stand can mm-hmm. do it, and he talked about how, as an author... It was all he could do to get some service to to get his book on, on their on their website and get it sold. And yeah, you know, they tried to do their best, but it, that really wasn't their focus. He said, "Now, if you're a customer, they're going to do whatever they can to help you." I just thought that was uh, that was a good example and and, and kind of funny.
0: What Jeff Bezos was saying in that talk that um, I mentioned earlier was, I, I thought, you, you're telling the story of my book. This is great, Jeff.
1: Well, he does want to sell books, Bernadette.
0: Uh, he, he said, don't focus on the competition, because if you do that, you know, once you get to number one, where have you got to go? Where is your customers? are always unhappy. They always want more, you know, use them as a benchmark for what you're going to do next. I know that every brand I'm speaking to talks about customer being customer obsessed. And I think, and Jeff also said that, you know, it's one thing to say it, but perhaps, you know, not that many people actually live it. And that's our work is to understand how we do that.
1: Yes, I haven't seen that, but I've heard so much about it and I I've even given a talk about about that topic, so I clearly need to watch that that video. It's brand new. But I have heard many, many times the story about how he likes to have an empty chair in the conference rooms where he has meetings to mm-hmm. represent for those people the the customer. And invariably, mm-hmm. I've heard he points at that chair during meetings. To remind everybody, like, that's not what she wants, you know? And then mm-hmm. as people prepare for the meetings, they think, oh, you know what? Jeff's going to point to that chair again. Oh, right, the customer. Oh, I completely forgot about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's, yeah. even at the biggest companies, it's difficult to really focus on it. And yes, I see a lot of mission and vision plaques on the walls of, of conference rooms that talk about the customer, but it's lip service, I think.
0: Mm. So we got to get better at, at, at doing this and not just speaking about it. That's, that's one of the yes. things I'm saying, isn't it?
1: And there are so many case studies in the book that talk about this. So this isn't just pie in the sky. It's happening and it's, it's becoming a real competitive advantage uh, for the companies you talk about. So Bernadette, mm-hmm. if readers took only one thing away from the book, what would you hope it would be?
0: you don't need to compete when you know who you are
1: very good very very clear <laughs> like 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 the writing in all your books and that's in the title as well i appreciate that uh, particularly because i've i've read the book and you make that case uh, very eloquently so are there are there any recent or upcoming books that you recommend or are looking forward to reading
0: the one of the books, it's not, I think, 2014 that, I, I, that I've that i come back to a couple of times, and I always see that as a really good sign of a, of a great book, is Essentialism by Greg McKeown. Mm-hmm. The Disciplined Pursuit of Less. Very timely book when we're all thinking about productivity and how to do great work. And his focus on, you know, his book about helping you to focus on one thing.
1: Mm -hmm. And particularly in a time and when everyone just feels more and more overwhelmed, not just by content, but by their schedules and, and everything else. So many competing priorities. That's it. It's a good book. So how best can listeners learn more about you and your seventh book? My
0: website is thestoryoftelling.com, and anything you want to know about my books and my blog and my work is there.
1: And we'll make sure to include a link to that, and we'll include a link to your Twitter handle, which is Bernadette Jiwa. And the folks are going to want to follow you because, as I mentioned before, you were named as one of the top 100 branding experts to follow on Twitter. And for those of you listening, if you would, please send a tweet, Bernadette's Way, to thank her for being on the Marketing Book podcast. On Twitter, I'm Marketing Book, if you want to add me to the conversation. And I'll also include a link to your... LinkedIn profile. And for the listener, if you're listening on your smartphone and you've subscribed to this show on your podcast player, like iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, for instance, all these links can be found by going to this episode on your podcast player and clicking on the show notes link. So you can do that right now, unless you're driving. <laughs> please, please be careful. I don't want anything to happen to my listeners. I I, I want all of them to, uh, to be safe. So The name of the book is Story Driven. You don't need to compete when you know who you are. The author is Bernadette Jiwa. Bernadette, thank you very much for coming back to the Marketing Book Podcast.
0: Thanks, Douglas. It's always a pleasure to chat to you.
1: And that closes the book on episode 180 of the Marketing Book Podcast. For more, check out this episode's show notes at marketingbookpodcast.com. And if I can recommend a specific marketing or sales book or other helpful resource, feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn where we can chat and I'll try to point you in the right direction. My name again is Douglas Burdett special thanks to our sponsor, Content Marketing World 2018. To support the Marketing Book Podcast and get the absolute lowest price on attending, go to contentmarketingworld.com and use the promo code MARKETINGBOOK. I'll also include a link to Content World at marketingbookpodcast.com. And please join us next time as we welcome David Newman to the Marketing Book Podcast to talk about his book, Do It Marketing, 77 instant action ideas to boost sales, maximize profits, and crush your competition. Thanks again for listening to the Marketing Book Podcast.